I'll just get you to re-record it if I need it. Yeah, we'll just do it the old-fashioned way. Yeah. <laughs> Back in your tent. Do it yeah. again. <laughs> Going camping. Hello and welcome to Sons of Thunder, the podcast where Marty and I are offered respectful space to voice our questions and thoughts on intriguing faith topics before handing over to Father Dave, who is unceremoniously interrupted again and again and again. But trust us, what he has to say is pretty good. Welcome to today's episode. Gentlemen, how are you? Good, thank you. I'm doing great. Excellent. And Father Dave, you are not where you were last time we saw you. We're all in different parts of the country right now. Well, yeah, so I am no longer based Thanks in Thanks for Canberra. sharing. Marty, how are you? <laughs> That's <laughs> a <How> spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Interruption straight up. No, I'm, I'm, I've now moved up to Darwin. Um, Darwin is currently the best place in the world to be living um, because we don't have any restrictions anymore. We get to have public ah. mass. And it's Does it still have to be outdoors? Is that what I read? Yeah, we can do outdoor mass. Um, so I think we're, yeah, we're pretty much the only diocese in Australia doing public mass and probably one of the few places in the world. Um, and add to that the fact that the temperature is absolutely glorious. We've mm. hit the dry season. It is like the most beautiful summer day every day for the next four months. And is your cathedral one of those cathedrals that's part indoor, part outdoor, and you have to make a choice? Does it actually qualify? Well, mass. most churches in Darwin are a bit like that. Like they're, you, they're designed so you can fully open them up. Open the doors and they're on the virtually sides. like a shed if you want. Uh, mm. So, yeah, there are certain ways that you can bend the rules so that you're my memory of Darwin at the same time. My memory of Darwin was walking up to morning mass at the cathedral, sweating my ass off, and then going to mass, Ding dong. and then doing the same on walking back to the hotel. What time of year was it? Oh, it must have been the build-up or the wet. Like it was hundred yeah. percent. Wet season is just ugly. horrible. Yeah, yeah. Felt very similar when you're in the pool or when you were out of the pool. <laughs> it makes no difference. <laughs> How are you doing over there in Perth, Marty? Uh, good. I was going to b- b- before I answer that though. Have you found Father Dave? Have you found you've been getting like multiple invitations from people to come out of their houses to like maybe you know say private masses? No, well, the, the the bishop kind of put the rules in because he knew that would happen. He realised that suddenly everyone would be like, "Come to our house for dinner." Um, but no, we we actually had um, like during the restrictions, we had outdoor uh, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament in the car park. Oh, fantastic! And so people would just like drive in and just sit in their air conditioning and pray. Drive-in adoration. It was amazing. Like even when we, like towards the end of the wet season, we had like these phenomenal thunderstorms and you'd still have a car park full of people, even people standing outside in the thunderstorms under umbrellas just so they could pray. It was, it was amazing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't, we haven't been lucky enough to be allowed to do that. Um, no, but it's been pretty... Our parish doesn't even have a, a priest anyway. So we were already lacking before coronavirus hit. Um, that sounds pretty nice. Anyway, how are you doing over there, Marty? Good. So I think the restrictions are not quite as... Uh, actually, Perth, Perth, this is probably typical of Perth, not quite as relaxed as Darwin, but more relaxed than the East Coast. <laughs> um, no, we've been we're pretty lucky here because there really aren't very many infections. 
And I should point out to our listeners that this episode will likely be put up in about a month's time, which means things would have changed by then. So just to let you know, we're well, currently we recording have infections by then. on the 6th of May. So right now, the Darwin restrictions have lifted. Um, the rest of Australia, we're talking about going back to school at the moment. Obviously, we'll be a month down the track, so things would have changed. But My kids are back at school. We're still in some form of lockdown. Well, and I'm in Tasmania. So we, we've got Tasmania, Darwin and Perth. We really have stretched as far away from each other as we possibly could. We yeah. apparently like each other, though. This is social distancing taken to an extreme. <laughs> this is incredible. Actually, I looked up online the, the distance between us, and it's it's really similar, but it's rough. I think it was 4,000 Ks between the three of us. Oh, we've actually formed a a, quite a nice triangle. Now, before we get into today's episode, uh, gentlemen, I just want to bring something up. I'm the one that's been editing our our episodes together, and we did have a little bit of issue with one of the last episodes. The Public one of the microphones wasn't that, working. Sam. Sorry. Public thanks for actually doing the editing. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks. But what I'm finding is, so for Somebody example, like one, of the, on the phone. one of the one of the last episodes that I edited. I there was a 16 minute segment I edited it down to 12 minutes but I'd like you to take a guess what am I editing out the most for each of you um yes exactly well done Marty <laughs> nailed it <laughs> it's unbelievable I can actually pick it now in a waveform it's unbelievable unbelievable but the thing is there's almost always a pause there so it's this beautiful little island in the middle of tranquil sea these ums uh, Father Dave and I do tend to also repeat exactly what we've just said. Uh, Father Dave, you'll repeat the first half of the same word at the beginning of a sentence, but usually that's because you're trying to get into the conversation because Marty and I won't shut up. Yeah. It's a, it's a polite yeah. way of trying to get my voice heard, yes. Yeah. It's not like Whereas, repeating the end of a sentence, the end of a sentence where you can, it sounds really strange when you do that, do that. <laughs> Whereas I tend to say the start of a sentence, I'll say three or four words and then for some reason decide I should go back to the start and restart the whole sentence with no one interrupting me. That's because you're still trying to work out the end of the sentence and you're halfway through and you, you realise you've got to start the second bit. <laughs> but you can't because you don't know how it's going to go. I'll probably go back to the start. <laughs> uh, which actually is what we're going to be doing today. We are going to go right back to the start. We're going to be looking at in the beginning. Uh, we've decided we're going to do a little four-part series with the podcast. And Father Dave, could you just give us a quick exposition on the four-part series? What are the four stages here of evangelization of charisma? Well, we were talking about this whole idea of the gospel message. Um, and very often when I'm working with people, like Catholics, people, even Catholics who are doing a lot of ministry, I say, what's the gospel message? And you get this blank look and they're just like, uh, Being be nice, nice to people, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Love people. Um, and that. And stuff yeah whereas really people sort of sum up the gospel as these four stages that, that god created the world good but then something went bad you know so the whole idea of sin coming into the world but then the whole mystery of god sending a savior so that we could then come into new life so we we're talking about trying to cover one of these over each of the four episodes so starting today with this idea of what does it mean that the world was created good? Mm. 
And, th- and this we did in our very first episode of Sons of Thunder. We spoke about the the in the beginning there is family and there is unity. There is complete unity, which is broken. We want to get back to what that actually looks like. What is true unity? Uh, what is what is beauty, etc. And I'll be honest. I was thinking about this in the lead up to today. Actually, sorry, I'm going to dob you in here, Father Dave. Before we started recording, the first thing Father Dave said. I thought I was going to get one there. (laughs) Father Dave said, sorry, so what are we talking about today? So anything that Father Dave actually comes up with over the course of this podcast is genuinely not in notes that he's got on the side. Marty and I have probably done a little bit of research. We've thought about it. Father Dave has just sat down. He's like, so where are we going today? To the beginning. Excellent. There's lots of stuff I've read on that in the last 15 years. I tend to, when I'm talking about the, the walk around the world and doing my speaking engagements, I tend to talk about the really bad stuff that happened because let's be honest, the guns, the knives, the pumas, the pumas with guns and knives, all of that. It's far more interesting. Who would never caught and, on camera? <clears throat> yeah, it's far more interesting than necessarily the, the really peaceful moments. I don't tend to talk about those much, but they were absolutely wonderful moments, the really peaceful ones. And I'm talking about things like being in Brazil and I was offered accommodation in a little hut in the Amazon and I was in a hammock and the farmer who'd given me accommodation, he'd gone to sleep, he was asleep. And I was in my hammock staring up at the night sky, at the stars through the jungle, phenomenally peaceful. And it was nice to have a bit of security inside a little farmhouse, but you had chicken wire windows. So I was able to look out up into the the night sky. Uh, And there was the most wonderful sense of serenity in the middle of the jungle and hearing the jungle sounds. Did you think that to yourself? Did you think, how's that serenity? (laughs) 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 Uh, And then again, through the course of the journey, somewhere like Venezuela, which was really dangerous, plenty of guns and knives there, but at the same time, there's a place called the Grand Savannah, where it was the the savannah, the, the grasslands that are, way, way up above sea level, very high. And so in the tropics, it's still quite cool. But then they have what they call the Tapui Mountains, these big bluff mountains that some people might know Angel Falls, the tallest waterfall in the world. It falls off one of those mountains. And it's only the native Indians out there. And again, phenomenally peaceful and extraordinarily beautiful. Then you go to somewhere like Costa Rica, which had the most stunning beaches and again, you've got the jungle curling out over the beaches. You've got the big uh, blue butterflies everywhere, spider monkeys throwing nuts at you as you walk on down the road trying to get your attention. Big toucans, the birds on the Fruit Loop packets with the colourful beaks flying around. And it was in these places where there was, we tend to talk about getting out into nature and how nice is it to get out into nature. But I found that there was something deeper than just, oh, nature's nice there was always a sense of belonging when I was in those places. And Father Dave, I know particularly you, when you get the chance, you get out. Do you have huts all over Australia? Some of them incomplete, but being built as they go. Pretty much, By the yeah. way, do you have a hut in Darwin yet? I suspect this might be dangerous. Uh, I'm still, well, yeah, the, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for places where I can get away to where you're not at risk of being eaten by crocodiles. Haven't found anything yet. It's not like Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> so with the, the sense of belonging in nature, and we tend to talk about how nice it is within God's creation, but it'd be really nice to go back to 
right to the beginning of, of what is that? How did God create us? And how did God create the universe? What are we made for? Father Dave, I'd like to begin with you. Marty, you can chime in any time you like, though. Oh, well, but, thanks. You know, no, no worries. I'm sure you will. <laughs> I'll be honest, my take on Genesis has changed very, very recently. I think Since I you started actually reading it. <laughs> yeah, as an adult. Because my childhood take on it was really different. This is, I find it quite extraordinary as an adult to read it really slowly and then read commentaries on it at the same time. Father Dave, in the beginning, how good was the world? How good was creation? It was pretty good. <laughs> oh, it was all right. <laughs> Sorted that one out there. No, yeah, I was trying to paint, paint a picture of this. Like you, you talk about Genesis. Genesis is uh, unfortunately a bit of a battleground these days. Everyone talks about the creation account of the Bible and automatically you've got battles between scientists and creationists and evolutionists as to what's what. And all of it kind of misses the point that the way that scripture scholars talk about the Genesis accounts, I mean, firstly, there are two separate creation accounts in Genesis and they're both very different. And so we're pretty clear that the Bible is not trying to outline history here. It's, it's really trying to outline theology, which is... Instead of saying, you know, what and how and when, it's trying to say why. So, so really, Genesis is trying to say why was the world created and, and in light of who we are and who God is, what actually is the world. Well, they say the first, uh, the first bit of Genesis doesn't actually tell you how the heavens go, but tells you how to go to heaven. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. But the interesting thing is, is that I mean, there's this one person I read years ago who basically talks about how the, the language used in Genesis is basically like liturgical language. And so the idea is that the whole world is created almost like this act of worship uh, and, and designed almost as like this grand cathedral of worship. So it's almost like creation is designed as this cathedral in which we encounter God, we realize how much God loves us, and we spend our whole life just thanking God for that. And so you end up with this idea of Adam standing at the, at the center of creation, almost like this high priest, just thanking God for everything. And I just think that's a beautiful way of understanding the world or really how the world was meant to be originally. Mm. You know, Pope John Paul II spoke about this idea of there being this original unity and original harmony between human beings, but then also with creation as well. Like, whereas after sin came in, Everyone's now in competition. Everyone's fighting. Everyone's using stuff and abusing it. But originally you get this picture that it wasn't actually like that originally. And it's, it's a little bit hard for us to imagine what that sort of world would look like. But, but that's, that's pretty much what those first two chapters of Genesis present to us. And I only read the other day. For the, and again, one of those things I have probably read it many times before. I've probably heard it in mass. I just hadn't genuinely read it and understood it or stopped and looked at it that being that in chapter two which is the, the second creation account when the lord god creates adam the first thing that god then does is plant a garden and i just looked at that and i was in awe that to, just to think god is adam's standing there adam's been created but god is planting a garden for adam hmm and that was quite an extraordinary thought that 
God is taking that time out to tend to the garden, to make it grow, to bear fruit, and then giving Adam the opportunity to come and name them, name the fruit and, mm. and everything else that's in there. But something so intimate mm. as gardening, but also gardening for someone. I heard a quote years ago that love is to plant a tree of which you will never benefit from its shade. Oh, an oak tree. Like an oak tree. You're planting it for a future generation. Yeah. Mm. One of the things I find fascinating about the creation thing is what we're actually created out of. Any human being can create something, but we're simply just rearranging stuff, really. Like you you make a chair, you're just rearranging wood that already existed. But the, the whole image that create that the creation story gives us is that we're created out of nothing. Mm. Uh, and that blows my mind. Like, we, I don't think we can really comprehend what that looks like. You know, it, it, it suddenly puts us and the whole creation in a different kind of realm. Because even though we use the same verb to create, mm. it's a different thing we're talking about. It is, yeah. The way we create as humans is an order, you know, an order of it's magnitude a mirror, less. It's a it's mirror a different... image, but it's a dim image. Yeah. But it reflection. makes everything yeah. seem so fragile. Like, like if you start to think that everything is actually created out of nothing, so it's really held in being purely by the fact that God wants it to exist. You can make a chair and then leave the chair and not care about the chair, and it's still going to be a chair. Um, whereas if God stops thinking about you, you'll go back to what you were originally, which is nothing. You know, and so, mm. I don't know. I remember when I... <laughs> first sort of read that idea, it blew my mind of just realizing like we're so completely loved by our creator, you know, that we're just held in being at every moment by him. Mm. And would it be right to say that heaven, instead of being lots of fluffy clouds, harps and Philadelphia cream cheese, is probably more like what we read in the Garden of Eden? In that intimate relationship with God. And creation and that greenery and flowing rivers and get me talking about heaven and i won't shut up for about an hour or so i I think i think basically heaven is where we heaven is not so much a place it's more a relationship Mm. i think that's one of the big things Mm. we mistake about heaven is that and and because really that's what the garden of eden was the garden of eden was about a relationship with god it wasn't so much about just a nice place to hang out next to rivers and trees and stuff the whole thing was that we dwelt with god in the garden and the relationship was what the whole core of it was. It was about being loved by God through these gifts of creation and spending our time thanking God for the gifts of creation. The love was the central joy, really. And, and very much that, that's going to be what heaven is. Heaven is going to be a place where the main thing is that we're in relationship with God. We are being loved by God and we're returning love to God. He will create the new heaven and new earth, as it says in the book of Revelation. We don't know what that's going to look like, but it's probably going to be better than anything in the Garden of Eden. Mm. But I don't think the mountains and trees will be the main deal. I think they're just going to be ways through which God expresses his love for us. Like the love's going to be the central thing. So I had a bit of an experience this just a few days ago while I was praying. God was explaining to me through my reflection um, that he loved me and it made me cry. And I was saying... Um, but Lord, why, you know, seriously, why? What's, what's so special about me that you would actually love me? And felt the, the Lord answer that specifically and said, the reason you're special is because 
I love you. Mm. And then I cried some more. Vulnerable moment. <laughs> it That's flips profound. around too from, from our perspective of what makes something valuable to God's perspective of what makes something valuable, uh, which I, this is always our tension though, isn't it? Of what we perceive as, as good, what we want, but God knowing so much better what, what we perceive value as actually good, lies. You, as in usefulness to me. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> well, something's valuable because it's wanted. You know, like, like you look at the, the price of a particular artwork, it's only because everyone wants it that, that it's suddenly become so exp- expensive. Mm. But that then... Just look at the price of toilet paper these days. Well, exactly. <laughs> everyone wants it. Um, but I think that's really what the creation account's trying to say. It's like you're wanted, you know, like God actually would be prepared to create mountains just so you can enjoy them. Speaking of which, it's supposed to snow down to 600 metres here on Saturday. So uh, I'm going to be enjoying the mountains, I hope. We've got mountains at the back of the farm here. I'm on a farm. For the listeners, I'm on a farm. By the way... How how, how high up are you? uh, The farm itself is 200 metres above sea level. But then I've got some land... You need a long ladder. That sits... No, I've got a block of land, 19 acres, that sits between 500 and 610 so I'll be getting a, probably a dusting of snow. Not quite enough nice. to go snowboarding down your driveway. No, not yet. But it's only May. There's a few months to go. <laughs> Can I say, sorry, random. Before I came in here to record this podcast with you guys, I was down the farm cutting some firewood where a tree, had, two trees have fallen over a fence. And I had my chainsaw on the back of the ute, sharpening it. And one of our sheepdogs jumped up on the back of the ute, walked up to me. I think he's coming up for a pat. Coxie's leg urinates on my chainsaw while I'm sharpening it. Wow. Now tell That's, me. That is that a this, really clear message. Is there any other way to interpret that? I want to go home now. <laughs> <laughs> now. Tell me that this wasn't how creation was meant to be because I normally like our sheepdogs. Right now, one yes, of them. Yes, you're suggesting that in the He's Garden fallen. of Eden, the sheepdogs didn't urinate on the chainsaws. That is what I'm suggesting, yes. <laughs> It's a great book I read years ago called Pilgrim at Tinker Creek. If, if anyone loves nature and creation, look this book up. Because it, basically it's this woman who's a Christian who spends her whole life wandering through this massive property that she's got. But she's asking this question of if creation is meant to reflect the creator, what sort of creator have we got? Because creation's not always nice and harmonious and lovely. And the whole book is like this reflection on how does this work? Like, like if, if God created this, there is some stuff that looks beautiful, but there's a lot of stuff that just looks, you know, crazy. Like she talks about how 75% of all creation is parasites. You know, what does that say about the creator? But it's, but it, it kind of raises that question, I suppose, of what was it meant to be in the beginning as opposed to what's happened after sin? But yeah. Yeah, well, we're looking at that at, at post-fall. We're looking at that as a in a world and that it's not just us and our relationship with God, but but creation's relationship with God as well. Isn't that, wouldn't that be true? Mm. We we look at the world right now and all that's wrong with it, but we tend to then try and reflect that back on God without looking back at us as human beings actually turning from God, that it wasn't originally like this. The world itself, all of creation wasn't necessarily or even close to being as violent 
or as disrupted as we might see it. But it, it, it does raise some really big questions because when people think about the beauty of creation, they think of, you know, penguins and seals and dolphins. They don't think about viruses, um, you know, or bacteria, leeches. Yeah, I read recently that bacteria is the, the, the biggest bio, you know, weight on the planet is bacteria. Hmm. That blows my mind a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I also read recently that a lot of these, a lot of animals, well, all, all animals have undergone biological changes and that you can actually trace almost all of them back to a point where they were either benign or they actually had a benefit. But a lot of, a lot of them, particularly when you're looking at bacteria or um, the, so what was the name of the, the word you used before? Things that leech off you? Parasites. 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 Thank you very much, Father Dave, for the rescue once again. Yeah, uh, even the, parasites that that, that you can actually, through their DNA, look at tracing it back to actually that it would have served a purpose, but they have changed, and in, in these changes become more parasitic. So even at a biological level, you can trace it back to a point where it may not necessarily it it, it leads back to a, a painting that is more peaceful than what we have. This is one of the interesting things about Christianity is that we, like, even when faced with things like parasites and diseases, we say that creation is good. And a lot of people take that idea for granted, but it is actually a fairly uniquely Christian thing. Like compared to what a lot of other religions and the way they see creation, like down through the years, you've had a lot of religions which are dualistic, you know, this idea that anything physical is bad and only things that are spiritual are good. You've got other religions which would say that certain things are created by God and other things are like being created by evil. Whereas Christianity kind of says, well, we trust that God is somehow in all of it. We don't necessarily understand how God is in the midst of these things, but we don't start trying to make divisions between what God created and what the devil created. Like we pretty much say God is the only creator in the midst of this. And so therefore everything has to be good, even if it doesn't fit our definition of good. Mm. It's created to be good. Whether we have actually, whether it's become that or not is obviously a, another question. Mm. When I was walking through Central America, there was a time when I was actually angry at everything that I saw. Um, in fact, Father Dave, you had sent me an email earlier on about culture shock. That was in Brazil, and which was right on the money. You sent me the email not knowing that I was experiencing culture shock. You just said you're a few weeks in now. By now, you'd probably be experiencing culture shock, and, and I was. And he gave me some tips on that. But that didn't stop the culture shock. It, that helped me to deal with it and to be aware of it. And as I proceeded up through South America into Central America, the culture shock in some places was so shocking at some of the things that I was seeing, some of the abject poverty, um, particularly with also the, uh, the, the drug gangs, um, the cartels, um, the way that people treated each other, um, some of the family disunity that I was encountering along the way. I was becoming really angry at everything that I was seeing. But there eventually came a time when I was able to look at it and think, hang on, everything that I was re genuinely angry about was of our own doing. This isn't how it has to be. There is a choice here. We've actually got a choice in the way that we treat one another. 
a choice in the way that we treat a stranger. And it, it kept coming back to a lot of what you're talking about in our very first episode about the family unit. Mm. Now, we've often heard that in creation, we're made in the image and likeness of God. What does that actually mean? Does that mean that God looks like Marty physically? We hope not. I know, I'm setting this up. This is, we're playing tennis here, right? <laughs> yeah, you're I'm actually him, setting this you're up. I'm me. just, I'm serving. I'm throwing it up. Okay. I'm going to serve it down across court. What does it actually mean to be created in the image and likeness of God? Well, I think we're just trying to work out whether you're serving this to Darwin or Perth from Tasmania. <laughs> I don't, I'm just, to be honest, regardless of where I intend it to go, who knows where it's coming off the racket. <laughs> So I think this is not so much about physical appearance as much as I have met some young men who grow beards because they want to look like Jesus. Franciscans. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it, I think it speaks more about something of the intrinsic characteristics, you know, and the, the qualities, you know. So, so we would say, I mean, this gets a little bit philosophical, but, you know, we'd say that God is pure intellect. You know, God is absolute freedom. God is pure reason. And all of creation shares in his characteristics to different degrees. So human beings have a level of freedom and, and particularly this idea of free will, which other animals don't necessarily have. We've, we've got reason to a greater degree than, you know, than, than a pumpkin does. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so you, you can look through even like the, the animal kingdom, there are differing degrees of reason and you know intellect and all sorts of stuff that I suppose we would say we we find ourselves pretty much at the pinnacle of these things. But but once again, we would say that we're not the only part of God's creation because there is also the spiritual realm of angels, and we mm. would say that they have a higher sharing in these characteristics of God than we do. So they have got a much greater intellect than human beings do, uh, much greater freedom. Um, you know, so if you get into the, the study of angels based on Thomas Aquinas, he'll go into all sorts of stuff around that. Mm. Um, so that's kind of the key thing around how do we share in the image and likeness of God. And I think particularly the ability to love. Uh, love is probably one of our highest qualities as human beings. And the more that we love, the more we become like God. Can we... Uh... Quick talk about transcendental desires for a little bit. Go for it. It doesn't really quite flow, but <laughs> I did a little bit of preparation, right? Hijack, hijack. <laughs> Marty, if you want to go down that line, I think you're going to have to explain what. Yeah, well, I was, I was anticipating that. Uh-huh. So I'll start off with this idea that that I got out of C.S. Lewis's stuff. If you, if you find yourself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, then the only logical explanation is that you were made for another world. And that's sort of exemplified in these, they're called transcendentals, these desires we all have which appear unnecessary from a sort of biological point of view, but everyone, everyone shares the same longings, if you like, and they, uh, they've been you know, listed as perfect truth and perfect love and perfect They've been carved into us. Yeah, beauty. This sounded like a Whitlam's song. Yeah, righto. Truth, beauty, love. I can't remember the rest of it. I've got no idea what you're talking about, but <laughs> that's, that's okay. probably it's probably mutual. So, yep. <laughs> um, but these desires, which we you know we can quibble about, you know how you interpret, you know what perfect love might actually look like, but but I think the point is everyone everyone has this desire, 
to fit in and to know the truth and to be loved. And when I mean, we start off talking about the beauty of creation, so there's probably the difference is how much you, you know, appreciate that when you see it, you know, whether it's a little bit or a lot, but it's, it's, it's in that spectrum for everyone. And everyone shares those, those desires which sort of points to there's something more that we're made for. Yeah, so this idea of truth, beauty and goodness, that even if we can't fully define what they are, we know them when we see them. We know we want them. We know we want them and somehow we can recognise them. And as much as we want to argue with others, as you were saying, Marty, about who is right and who is wrong, we still hold them as good qualities. We just disagree on how to define them. Yeah. They are written into us to seek them. Mm. And so there's something about in being created in the image and likeness of God in that we find this desire to try and replicate these things. You know, we, we love things that are true. You know, people who, you know, just love mathematics equations. I can't quite understand that. But, but there are some people I know who, you know, I, I went to dinner with this guy years ago and I went to his house and he had this big whiteboard in his kitchen filled with all the usual junk in a family about picking up kids from soccer training. And in the middle here, this maths equation and I said, what's the deal with the maths equation? And he just said, it's just beautiful. <laughs> and he just, he just had it there because he just believed it was just beauty. In, I, I, like I say, I don't do maths. I quite, couldn't quite get it. But there's something just amazed me about... A calculus tutor was a bit like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and same thing with art galleries. Like, you know, there's, as far as we are aware, I don't know of any other animal in creation that creates art galleries, mm. you know, or, you know, delights in beauty and goodness Just for the, and truth. for the sake of paying to go and look at it. Exactly, yeah. So there is something deep in our soul that resonates with this stuff. So that reminds me of another one of these quotes from C.S. Lewis. We talked about just the way, in the same way that sort of man creates things like a car to run on petrol, that God's created man to run on God. And that there's nothing else that you can fuel man with because it won't work because there isn't any other fuel. It goes on to say why it's pointless asking God to make us happy the way we want him to make us happy because it just doesn't exist without him. You ever filled your car up with uh, the wrong fuel, Marty? A guy I worked with did and got his car back about three weeks later. <laughs> yeah, that actually, Father Dave, you're no longer uh, teaching the novices. No. But surely, surely it's happened at least once with the novices. Uh, thankfully, well, at least, put it this way, not, not that I was ever told about. <laughs> <laughs> thankfully not. I know. Yeah. But we, but we all had these all cars things. kept breaking down. Yeah. I couldn't work out what that was. No, we had enough other disasters to uh, entertain me over the years, but I'll keep those to myself. I won't shame anyone on, on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> They're not listening. We have enough issues uh in actually laying down our desires and and taking on board what god would want for us but, but even in just really basic things see it was hard trying to explain to people no i don't want to eat just one big piece of steak for breakfast before i do a 40k walk and trying to explain to them what i actually need and my brother did that when we yeah, were, i know you well, did i remember you guys doing in, that i was in because your parents went away yeah, and my little bro was in late high school and we were the only two left at home. Mum and Dad went away and she gave us 50 bucks a week for food, which was a lot of money back then. And we just bought steak and eggs and bread and just had steak sandwiches for breakfast, lunch and dinner. The funny thing is, they didn't, they didn't do this simply because that's what they wanted. 
they, that's what they wanted to do in the moment. They did this because they made a bet to each other that that's what they were going to do. Let's just say after about 10 days, nobody wanted to keep going, but we slugged it out anyway. And I, that's what I remember specifically. Stupidity of it. Uh, Me in the corner eating a salad. <laughs> so I think we've got to realise that as much as this idea that the world has created goods sounds pretty ordinary and boring, it is actually kind of revolutionary. Um, it's, it's only because, boring because we're sort of used to it. Well, because it, we're yeah, used because, to hearing it without actually we, understanding it. We've actually grown up in a world influenced by Christianity as much as our society doesn't like that idea. Yeah. But if you look back at previous empires, countries influenced by other religions, where you've, you've got a whole different understanding around the dignity of the human person, you know, that you could easily say this particular group, they're not human or they're not good. Whereas it is actually a very Christian thing to say, well, everything is good. Everyone is human. Everyone's allowed that dignity. Even the whole environmental movement really finds its origins in, in Christianity because Christianity fundamentally says the world needs to be cared for and looked after. And it's only when we're in good relationship with it that it then treats us well in return. You know, so... A lot of this stuff, which is now seen as almost been like a reaction to Christianity, we've got to realize it actually came from us originally. It's a very scriptural understanding. It's probably better from, from our language point of view to say, in the beginning, creation was extraordinary, mm. as opposed to it was good. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> good, good is a bit of an understatement. It was awesome. And you can sort of see, I think you can sort of see the remnants of those original blessings. I think you can see in, in your own relation, particularly in relationships, in, in marriages and mateship and friendship, for example, you can see an echo of that, the original blessing of creation. Maybe, maybe you could summarise and say the best bits of human life, you can recognise this, the echo of... Um, of the original blessing and it's probably also a foretaste to the completeness of that same blessing in in heaven i think one of the things with that though is that we find it easy to see the goodness of creation when we look at everybody else but we find it very hard when we look at ourselves mm. i think most people find it very hard to look at themselves and think hey you know what i was created by god because he loves me and i am pretty good i think most people struggle with that and so even when you talk about relationships and the gift of marriage and everything like that, that's often the point where it all starts to get a bit difficult because you can appreciate the other person, but you can't actually see the gift that you are. Can I throw this in? When you talk about the gift of marriage, so Marty and I have just completed a, you want to call it a course, Marty? I don't know what you call it, a Bible study. I don't know what you're talking what? about. You're going Exodus to 90. Oh, it's a spiritual exercise. There we go, are, spiritual exercise. If you read the... You know, I'll <laughs> so Marty and I have just completed Exodus 90 and awesome. we have continued on to do, Oasis. is it called Oasis 90 or is it just Oasis? Uh, no, it's not 90, 21 something. No, it's is really, it? Yeah. Short? It's short and easy. So yeah. the next okay, so we, we, we did, uh, for those who don't know Exodus 90, it was 90 days leading up to Easter. Uh, Old showers and pain. Yeah, it involved no hot showers for 90 days, which for Marty wasn't too bad living in Perth. For me, living in central Tasmania. Because the cold, the cold water in the outdoor shower after you get out of the pool pain. was fine. Yeah. You enjoy your swimming pool. 
was freezing here. It actually hurt. So no, no hot showers. We also had no social media for that 90 days. Uh, no alcohol for 90 days. No eating in between meals for 90 days. Fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays. No meat on Wednesdays and Fridays. And then we had scripture study every day. And we went through the book of Exodus. But this is a long way to get to this. We are currently, we, we've decided to stay on. And we've got a, a, a little fraternity group. Uh, there's myself and Marty Posse. and then a posse. Uh, so a, a big shout out to the other guys who guys. have actually been listening to the podcast. Thanks, guys. Well, we are currently going through Genesis. Now, something jumped out at me the other day. And it ties in with what you were saying a moment ago, Father Dave, about the gift of marriage. And it's... Genesis 1, so chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. That, now, that's only half the sentence, and it goes on from there. But it's not let me make humankind in my image, but let us make humankind in our image. And one of those moments of just realizing that that in of itself is quite extraordinary that half sentence there, mm. let us make humankind in our image. And so, go, Marty. Sorry, you, you go. No, go. I was saying, back, back, back to what I was saying, this echo you. of the Trinitarian, the e echo of the Trinity is sort of built into us in our desire for relationships. And I can't finish that. That's it's only a half <laughs> sentence. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a good way of describing the, the echo of the Trinity in that, in that the Trinity is relationship. Like we see, we see God is a relationship of love and it comes back to that thing. We're made in the image of love. We crave love. Like it's, it's that thing of, you know, when you've got, you're sitting on a, a completely empty beach and someone else comes to also go on the beach, they're going to sit close to you, you know, and it just annoys you. It's like, you've got a whole beach. Why don't you go sit somewhere else? Like, <laughs> like we're, we're, we're intrinsically relational beings. Like we always want to be, in relationship with people somehow, you know, so that gets very much modeled in marriage. You know, I think it's those moments where we actually find kind of the, the pinnacle of creation really, because that, that's where we are kind of the closest reflection of who God is. Mm. I'm often asked the question, did I miss family and friends when I was doing the walk? Cause I was away for 19 months. It's two birthdays, two Christmases and two Easter's. Now the answer is not as much as you might think, but Oh, I grew up on a farm. I was always away and I'd, I'd then been off to university and... Did you miss feet that didn't hurt? I, yeah. I'd forgotten what that was like. Uh, I had already established a long distance relationship with my family. So that just, you know, just, it was a longer distance, but that, that continued. But when I did genuinely miss having friends and family around was when I saw something spectacular. If I saw the most extraordinary sunset yeah, or I saw the most amazing waterfall or the most stunning beach along the Pacific Ocean in Central America, if I saw something that was extraordinarily beautiful, I wanted to share it. That was when I was actually at, at, at the most missing family and friends. I wanted others about it. It actually induced in me a, a desire for relationship for others. Mm. Mm. Did anyone else want to add anything? Um, yeah, I just got one more I wanted to talk about, mainly just because I wanted to see what you had to think about this, Father Dave. You're right, another, nice. another look. Look, I my intention before this session was to find my copy of Mere Christianity and read the first half of it again, but I couldn't find it. it didn't matter how long I looked at the bookshelf, I couldn't find it. 
So I suspect I lent it to someone. But anyway. If you're so, listening to this podcast and you have Marty's copy of New Christianity, <laughs> give it back. We know where you live. So I went online and looked up and said, New Christianity quotes and, and probably got the same stuff that I was going to try and troll through anyway. But there's one really interesting one where he said the world, think of the world like a great sculptor's shop and we're the statues in it. And there's a rumour going around the shop that some of us someday are going to come to life. Mm. And I think that's awesome to try, mainly just to try to explain the difference between being alive now, how we are in the fallen world and what really being alive will mean in heaven. Mm. Um, and the best, best sort of analogy I heard was try to, try to explain to an unborn baby what it'll be like after being born like just more, more alive than you are now in every way. Just a whole different reality. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I think that's a great image because people, the, the, this is where it links onto the next topic about where something went wrong because the whole thing was that humanity was presented with the temptation of, well, what do you want? Do you want the gift or the person who gave you the gift? Um, and we decided that we actually wanted the gift instead. And, and it's because we can't imagine anything more than the world. You know, we, we, we look at how awesome creation is and we think, well, we just want to grab hold of that with both hands and, and never let go. And yet God is there saying, you know, this is just like the street sign pointing you home. Like, like, like home's actually bigger than this. Home is better than this. Mm. You know, so as, as amazing as creation is, he is creating something so much better. You know, so C.S. Lewis uses a lot of those images. He's, he's got a great book called The Great Divorce, which is all about heaven. Mm. And um, he talks about the fact that all of creation is almost just like a shadow compared to the reality of heaven. And, and when people step into heaven, it's actually really difficult because they're still almost like shadows and they haven't quite become real yet because heaven is so real. Like, like he talks about how they they step on the grass and it's almost like knife blades because the, the grass is so real. The grass is so sharp. Um, and, and when it rains, the rain's almost like bullets hitting them because, because the difference between the reality of heaven, as opposed to the shadow land of those who've been on earth. Um, so I think, yeah, C.S. Lewis was very aware of the fact that this is not the main show, you know, as, as beautiful yeah. as it is, it is like a child in the womb compared to, life outside the womb like a, no way that you can compare them at all spending whole do, life whole life in the green room yeah i do love to... that it's difficult to talk about the beginning without talking about the end yeah it was a great yeah. uh, great teaser for the next uh, episode isn't it <laughs> <laughs> well because because the world is pretty much like a street sign it, it's it's just there pointing us to the fulfillment and that's a wrap <laughs> well and it's ridiculous oh, sorry Sam, were you going to say something I was going to say, Marty, would you like to end us in prayer? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank Amen. you, Lord, uh, for our time together. Thanks for letting us still be able to get together despite being in a mock-up. Uh, please bless our families and bless our listeners. Amen. 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 For the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. And for all our listeners out there who are just listening to this and you can't see what I'm seeing, in order to get the acoustics down in the room that Marty is recording in, Marty is sitting <laughs> underneath a pink tent. It I have daughters, wonderful. okay? <laughs> it looks great.